welcome to another inspirational message from Brave Church UK. Well, a very good morning to you. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Nigel, and uh, I'm married to a beautiful wife, Sashila. She runs the uh, Mums and Toddler Group, and I have four handsome young boys, and uh, it's obvious where they get their looks from. <laughs> their mother. Okay, so, uh, yeah, uh, you bet my uh, eldest son, he was uh, on the news and he was playing the guitar. He's good, at, uh, he's good at music, isn't he? I taught him everything I know about music. Took me three minutes. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you can't go forward, you can't go back, and this is no place to stop? I found myself in a situation like that the other week. I'm training for uh, the uh, Three Peaks race. It's 23 miles over three mountains. And I thought I'll do a training run over two of the mountains. So um, this was uh, just over, uh, yeah, two weeks ago. So I got the car dropped off at the end of the second mountain and I got a lift to the uh, beginning of the first mountain I was gonna go over. And uh, I was running on my own. So I set off and I passed a couple and this bloke says to me, as I, as I ran past him, he says, you're brave. I thought, am I? <laughs> and I looks up, and yeah, there was a cloud on each of the two mountains, but it seemed all right. And uh, anyway, so I carried on. Uh, the higher I got, the stronger the wind began to blow, the colder it got. I entered the, the cloud of the first mountain, and as I got near the top, all of a sudden... It started to hail, and it was raining, and it was horizontal. And within two minutes, I was soaked from head to toe. And I'm battling against the wind, and I'm thinking, I've just got to get over the other side and drop down out of this cloud. I'll be all right. I'll dry off. But as I goes down the other side, it carries on raining. You see, it wasn't the cloud anymore. A storm had come in. And now it was chucking it down, and it was freezing, and I'm running down this hill, looking across the road at this next hill. Got a picture of it? No, not that one, the one before. I weren't going on that one. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> Can't get the staff, can you? <laughs> so I'm looking across at this one, thinking, how am I going to get over that? There's no cloud on, that, on this picture, but honestly, it was swirling on the top. You could see it. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, how am I going to get across that? Because I crossed the road and I'm running across these fields. And there was about two hikers in all the time that I was on there. Honestly, it was so bad, the weather. And they were coming off the mountain and they're looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm running across these fields and I'm running with one eye closed because <laughs> the sleet is coming in. And I'm, trying, and, and I'm on the level at this point and I'm battling across and I begin to climb. And I think... Should I be doing this? And I'm thinking, well, my car's on the other side. So anyway, I begin to climb, get higher and higher and higher. And then I get over this little ridge, and I look in front of me, and there's this 50-foot cliff wall, and the path goes straight up it, and then it turns right and carries on going up into the cloud. Now, I've never run this particular route before. I wanted to see what it was like so that uh, I was ready for the race day. So I'm thinking... I have no idea how far it is to the path that drops down on the other side. 
once I've climbed that 50 foot, I'll look at my map. So I put my hand in my pocket and the map shredded into nothing. And now I had an emergency waterproof map in my rucksack. <laughs> and I, I did. And, and I had waterproof leggings in my rucksack. And I'm thinking, should I put my uh, emergency gear on now? Should I put my, my leggings on? But my hands were frozen. And I could barely unzip my, my jacket pocket where my jelly babies were to, to eat. So I'm thinking... I can take my rucksack off, but I know I can't put it back on again. I had no movement in my hands. Anyway, so I, I climbed this 50-foot um, uh, cliff face, and then you get to the top, and there's, there's a little ledge, and then there's another eight foot before the wind hits you. And I'm in that, that shelter, and I climb up the next eight foot, and the wind hit me, and, and I'm thinking... I can't, I can't go on. So I, I went back down into this little shelter thing. And it was in that moment there, I thought, should I go back? I looked back down the mountain. It was two miles to the road, a further 10 miles around the road. I'd already run 10. It's too far to go back. I thought the further on I go, the more dangerous it is. I can't go on but this is no place to stop. So I did the only thing you can do, and I began to work through in my head all the things I'd said to the people that I'd last met and made sure I'd confessed all my sins to God. <laughs> and then you have to keep moving. So I just kept moving, and uh, eventually I did find the track that led down the other side. So relieved when I saw that. And uh, yeah, I made it, and here I am. Look at that, see? So there we go. <clears throat> but I wonder, I wonder if that's what Moses felt like when Moses got called up the mountain. You see, this is the mountain that God uh, called Moses up. There'd been a cloud on it for six days, a storm raging on this cloud. And on the seventh day, God said to Moses, come up into the, into the cloud, come up the mountain to meet me. So Moses had to set off, and as he climbing this mountain, I wonder if he thought to himself, am I ever going to make it off this mountain alive? Am I going to live to see another day? He was up there for 40 days. God spoke with him. He gave him loads of instructions, and then God gave him the Ten Commandments. He wrote them on two stone tablets. These ten rules, the ten laws... And 40 days later, Moses brought them back down. But why? Why did God have to give Moses the Ten Commandments, the Ten Rules by which to live? You know, it was the solution to a problem that happened a long time ago. And in order to understand it, you need to go back to the very beginning of time when God created Adam and Eve and he put them in the Garden of Eden. And God gave to Adam and Eve everything. You can eat from whatever tree you want in the garden. But there was one rule. One rule. Don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. But Adam and Eve broke that rule. And they ate from the tree. A lot of people think it was an apple tree. It wasn't an apple tree. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, if you eat of that tree, 
you will die. You see, sin, the punishment, the penalty for sin is death. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. And it also separates. It separated man from God. And so Adam and Eve, they had to leave the garden. They were separated from God. And it broke God's heart because God had created them. God loved them. And now sin had separated him from his creation. And so God had to come up with a solution. And the solution was the Ten Commandments. Let's have a look at these commandments. This is a simplified version of them. The emoji Ten Commandments. Have no other gods beside God. What about that bottom one there? Don't be jealous or envious of others. How well do we do on these commandments? Always tell the truth. Uh, don't steal from others. Obey your parents. I like that one. I'm going to inform my boys that it says, obey your parents, not obey your parents when they've told you three times and had to raise their voice. Always treat God's name with respect. Don't use God's name as a swear word. I wonder how well we do at these commandments. Do you know, it's not easy to keep the Ten Commandments. In actual fact, it's not easy to keep even one. The children of Israel, even before Moses had got back down off the mountain, they'd broken the first of the commandments. Some men had come to Aaron and they said to Aaron, this fellow Moses, we don't know where he's got to. He's probably died up in that storm. You're our leader now. We want you to make us some new gods. So Aaron said to them, well, give me your gold earrings and your bracelets. Give me the gold and I'll sort it out. And so Aaron made a golden calf. And Aaron said to them, this is your God that brought you out of Egypt. That doesn't kind of make sense. You've just made it. How could this be your God that brought you out of Egypt? But they went with it. And they began to worship this golden calf. And they began to dance around and have a party. And Moses comes back down carrying the two stone tablets. And he looks and he sees that they've broken this first commandment. And they've put another God in place of the Lord God. And he's furious. So he smashes the two stone tablets on the floor. You see, the children of Israel, they had broken one commandment. But because they'd broken one commandment, all ten lay broken on the floor. And the Bible says, if you break one law, it's as though you've broken the whole law. Let me put it like this. God needed to rescue us. So he threw us a lifeline. He threw us a chain. He lowered a chain down to us. It had ten links on. Ten rules, ten commandments. And if we get hold of the other end of that chain, we can reconnect with God. We can... Reverse the separation, if you like. But supposing you are dangling over a cliff, holding on to a chain. How many links need to be broken for you to plummet to your death? Just the one. If you break one law, it's as though you've broken the whole law. And that's where the separation comes in. And so for many people, God seems like a million miles away. And we think to ourselves, well, do you know, if God isn't interested in me, 
Why should I be interested in him? If God doesn't care about me, why should I care about him? But you know, God does care about you. He is interested in you. He loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. He knows all about you. And he knows that you can't keep the law. You can try, but he knows you can't keep it. Nobody can. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of God's standard. So God had to come up with another plan. He came up with the ultimate plan. This picture here, next one along. This picture here, is, this is a guy called Eddie Hall. Eddie Hall is British. He is the 2017 world's strongest man. But you know, Eddie Hall is known as the strongest man in history. He held the world's strongest title for one year, but he's the strongest man in history. He said this, he said, if you ask any strong man, what defines a strength athlete, the strongest man in history, they'll all say the deadlift. Who can pick up the most weight from the floor to his hips? The deadlift. It's dead easy. <laughs> the principle is dead easy. It's a bar with as much weight on as you can possibly get, and all you've got to do is pick it off the floor above your knees. That's it. And the one who can pick up the most weight is the strongest man in history. In 2014, Eddie Hall picked up 462 kilograms to break the world record. A year later, he put on a kilogram, 463 kilograms. He figured he could add a kilogram on every year, and every year break a record. And every time you break a record, you earn lots of money. But he thought to himself, when is the point? Where, what, at what point can you no longer do what you are capable of doing? When is it that I'm too old to do what I could actually do now? So he went to his promoters, and he said to his promoters, how much will you give me? If I lift 500 kilograms, half a ton. And his promoter said, how much do you want? See, no one had ever come anywhere near it. And so he set to training. He had a year to get himself ready. And he had an amazing team around him. Scientists, physiotherapists, doctors, blood doctors, um, hypnotherapists, you name it. He had this incredible team around him to help him. And as he's training for it, he's realizing that he can't come anywhere near the 500 kilograms. And a scientist came to him one day and he said, Eddie, he said, it is physically impossible for a human being to lift 500 kilograms. But I may have a way that you can do it. He said, the average man who works and then just chills out watching TV, has access to about 50% of his muscle fibers. The athlete who trains for 20 hours a week has access to 60, 65% of his muscle fibers. But the woman who's caught in a car accident, who finds her child underneath a car, can lift the car. The woman has access to 100% of her muscle fibers for that one moment. He said, if we can get your mind to go to a place of trauma, you can lift half a ton. And so they began to train him. 
And he had to come up with this place of trauma, this, this, uh, this situation in his mind. And they would take him nearly to that place and then bring him back. And nearly to that place and bring him back. And then it came to the day of the lift. We've got a video of the lift. He did it. He lifted 500 kilograms, half a ton. He broke the record. He blew it out the water. No doubt whatsoever. He is now the world's strongest man in history. And God, he had to come up with a plan. Let me tell you first of all about what they asked him. They asked him in an interview afterwards. They said to him, Eddie, what did you think about when you lifted that weight? He said to them, he said, I can't talk about it. He said, and I can never go there again. He said, the only thing I can say is, it was a dark place. It was a dark place. When God came up with the ultimate plan for us, the plan that would blow it out of the water, the plan that would seal the deal for us, because we kept failing, breaking the law. His plan was to send Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He never did anything wrong. And he ended up being put on a cross. He died on the cross. And he died on that cross to pay the punishment for our sin, for our breaking the law. The penalty of sin is death, the Bible says. And Jesus paid for it. But in order for Jesus to pay, in order for him to face the cross and go through that terrible situation, he had to go to a place of darkness beforehand. In the Garden of Gethsemane, his mind took him to what was going to happen. He faced the trauma of it all. And the fear came on him. The Bible says that he sweat drops of blood because of the, the, the fear and the, the trauma that he had to face. But as he's looking at the cross, he had to have something in his mind that caused him to be so determined to lift the weight of sin off your shoulders and off my shoulders. And so he went to the cross. The Bible says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. When Jesus went to the cross, he had no sin. But God put on him our sin. He carried the weight of our sin. That verse goes on to say, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words... Jesus does a swap. He swaps you, your sin, for his righteousness. Let me put it like this. I need a volunteer. We've got a volunteer, brave volunteer. You don't need to lift anything. Jonathan, you're the only one who's volunteered. Come on then, Jonathan. Give him a round of applause. Okay. Right, I have here an envelope. I'd like you very carefully, Jonathan, uh, just take out everything that you see in that envelope. Okay, hold it up, and uh, in a big loud voice, what have you got there? I've got nothing. He's got nothing. He's got a blank piece of paper. Okay, uh, very carefully, just pop that back in there. 
thank you. Just wait there because I need you in a second. Okay, so that blank card represents us. Uh, you can stand here and hold that, okay? Don't do anything with it. I was going to put it on something, but there we go. I have nothing to put it on. Right, okay, so um, that blank card represents us. That's our score on the righteousness scale. Zero. It's blank. That represents us. It represents you and me. Now, I'm sure that you're slightly better than that because I'm sure you've done some good things in life. Um, but anyway, we'll take worst case scenario. So that represents <laughs> us. Right. Uh, I have a pack of cards here. And I just wonder, uh, just someone to just raise the hand. Fantastic. Okay, just you can stay there. You're all right. Pack of cards. Uh, I'll put it on the edge here, then you can just see. Right, okay, so I'll cut the deck in two, A and B. Just shout me your deck. A. A. That's for you then. You'll leave me with B. Okay, just want to come up. Just want to take the top card. Run up. Okay, don't show anyone. Just take that top card. You've got it? Jump up onto the stage and go and stand over there. If you go stand over there, right, okay. So, Kath has a card that represents Jesus. Jonathan has a card that represents us. Right, the Bible says that when Jesus died, he shed his blood. And so this silk, this red silk, represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. So we're just going to drape that over that there. You know, when you, when you say to Jesus, Jesus... This is what I've done wrong. Please forgive me for the wrong things that I've done. I want to trust you with my life. Then what Jesus does is he swaps his righteousness for our sin. Okay, so now here's the moment of truth. Kath, what I want you to do is I want you to look at the card and I want you to think hard about the card that you've got. Can you do that? Start thinking whenever you like. <laughs> Are you thinking now? Sorry, I wasn't picking anything up. Sorry. Okay, right. You're thinking? Yeah. Yeah, someone's coming through now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're getting there. Right, okay. So, fantastic. Right, okay. Let's have this. Right. You don't need to do anything. You've done your, you've done your bit. You're all right, Kath. Right. You watched in the videos earlier on of the baptism and you heard about how Jesus has transformed people's lives. When you do that swap, when you say that prayer, that prayer of faith, God literally transforms your life. In a big loud voice, shout out what you've got for Jesus. The king of, the king of, the king of. You've got a choice of diamonds, hearts, spades, and clubs. The king of hearts, the king of love. And the king of love, he will change you, your sin, for his righteousness. Give him a round of applause. Go on, take a seat. They make it, don't they? They make it. Okay, I'm going to invite the band up now. <laughs> Thanks for the moment there. 
Okay, when you ask Jesus to forgive you, he does that swap. He came from heaven and he lived a perfect life. And he went through the pain of the cross. He went through that for you because he loves you and he cares for you. And you might be carrying the weight of sin that you've collected all through life. And sin is heavy. And you might be feeling the guilt and the weight of that guilt. Do you know today, you can do a swap. You can give him that weight and you can take his righteousness and reconnect with God. Let's pray. That's the end of this week's podcast. We hope that it inspired you. For any more information, visit bravechurch.co.uk.